0: Thank you, moed Well, it is great to see everyone, and uh, yeah, it's an amazing. It's great, great to have Josh back. I know some of you may be sitting there going, "He went to Cancun and he came back engaged," but. You know, he didn't give you a whole lot of details on that process, but, I mean, he just did it in such an incredibly honoring way. Um, You know, he talks about being on Zoom. He would have dinners with their family on Zoom. He's gotten to know. It's not just some, you know, for those of you that are like, hold on, this guy's leading worship here. What's going on? You know? This has been an incredibly honoring process. The girl that Josh is engaged to and will get married to soon is just the most incredible girl. Alex, if you're watching, you're amazing. And they they plan to be located here in Mississauga. She lives in Pennsylvania right now. So if you're worried what's going to happen to Josh, you know, they're going to be uh, located here, you know, at least for the beginning of their marriage. Like all of us who knows where God takes us, you know, at some point, but it's where they're planning to start. So... Alex, we love you, can't wait for, to meet you, you know, and uh, we look forward to seeing you in Canada soon as this borders open. So, well, you know, it, it's a great actual testimony for, for an introduction to what I want to talk about, which seems to be what I talk about all the time, and I'm okay talking about this all the time because Jesus talked about it all the time, the Bible talks about it all the time, and, and that's love. And, you know, we see the reality of love and honor in, in people coming together in marriage, right? There's, there's, this, there's this one type of love that, that comes, that joins two people together, you know, in a relationship and ultimately making commitment, and a, a covenant with one another for the rest of their lives. And, you know, I was reading this morning, I was reading the uh, Gospel of John and yesterday. I was reading the one John this morning. And, and just again, you know, the amount that it talks about love. And it's crazy because unfortunately, so often we talk way too much about sin and not a whole lot about love. Which seems to be the actual opposite of what the Bible does. You know, and you read the book of, I, I encourage you this week, read the book of one John. You know, because it makes a couple of comments about sin. For example, it says that whoever says that they are without sin is a liar. You know, because we all have it. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all fall short. Well, what is sin? Sin ultimately is our inability to do things God's way. It's our violation of God's principles, his, his way of doing things. That's what it is. And we do fall short of it. You know, that's the reality. But God gave us a solution to that. And that's Jesus Christ. You know, that which we could not do, he did for us out of an act of absolute love. And in the gospel of John, it talks about that. It doesn't say that God so hated the world or was so angry with the world that he had to send Jesus to fix the problem. You know, it doesn't say that God was looking for just punishment and so sent his son to be punished on behalf of the world. Actually, what it says is that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. That whoever believed in him would have eternal life. And we have this view at times of God that is the wrong view of God. We see God as a legalist. We see him as a judge. We see him as sitting out there looking to punish people. But that's not the God that's described in the scripture. And it's certainly not... The God that was embodied in Jesus. And if Jesus was God, and we believe he was, then we need to look at Jesus and how he was and what he did to get our view of who God is. We can't get any more better view in our human state of who God is than Jesus Christ. Than his, you know, and what did he do? What did he do? He he went around healing the sick. He went around casting out demons from people. He went around going to the people that were rejected by the religious leaders of their time and saying, you are worthy. Not that the way you're behaving is worthy, but you as an individual, as a person, are worthy of love. And he blew past all the expectations, he, he blew them out. the expectations people had of the Messiah coming, he was the absolute opposite of that. A, instead of coming and fighting to bring a kingdom on earth, he came and died to bring his kingdom about. But it's a kingdom that dwells inside of each and every one of us. A kingdom that, according to the prophe- prophecies of the Old Testament, is, is actually written in our hearts. And it's a kingdom that escapes us at times because we keep still looking at this kingdom through worldly eyes. Whether those be legal eyes or whether those be political eyes, we miss the point. And I just I want to remind you this morning that you are absolutely loved by God. That the whole point of Jesus coming and dying was to restore you to relationship with Him because He loves you, because He finds you worthy. Because he cares about you, he cares about every aspect of your life. When he looks at you, the same way when he created this world, what did he? He just go. He said it's good. And you know, as as mankind rebelled against God, he didn't find that good. But in sending Jesus, he, he's restoring things. In this world to that which he originally intended. That which we would walk in relationship with him. That we would walk in that relationship of love that we see Adam and Eve walking in with God. Before they chose to listen to the serpent. And gain that knowledge of good and evil. Our knowledge is actually supposed to be about that which is good. That's what we were created for. That we would know which is good. So when we talk about seeing things through God's eyes, when we talk about seeing one another as God sees them, we are not to be able to see one another as good. As good. We're not perfect. We make mistakes. We fall short of God's standards. But ultimately, when God looks at us, He goes, I love you. You're good. I want you. To be in relationship with me. And it's the amazing thing. Again, read 1 John. Because one of the things that it talks about in 1 John. And the other thing where it talks about sin. It says, look, when we know God. That we, that sin starts getting worked out of our lives. And if we read that the wrong way. It's like this sudden transformation happens. You give your life to Jesus and become perfect. I don't know. I failed that test. Not sure. You know, if you can agree. Probably same experience. There was no instant perfection in me giving my life to Jesus. It's actually this, this journey, but this journey of transformation. And you know, when when I used to view God, because I really viewed God transactionally, like, you know, if I'm good, then good things are going to happen. If I'm bad, bad things are going to happen, you know, because he has to punish me if if I do something wrong and, and if I do something right, then he's going to reward me. That was, that was pretty much my view. Most of my life. But as I've come to understand his goodness, and as I've come to understand that actually his, his, his love is so much greater than that I could ever, ever comprehend. You know, when Paul writes in Ephesians, that, you know, that we would understand his prayer for the Ephesian church, you would understand how wide and deep and great is the love of God. And I don't know we can ever comprehend how wide and deep is the greater love of God. Because how can we comprehend a love that's that great from a creator that can create a universe that's ever expanding. That is beyond our wildest dreams or imagination and go, yeah, we've got a really good handle on his ability to love. And, and how can we ever look at a creator that's that, that, that incredible, that can create something that huge. And think that we've got a really good handle on who he is. We understand in part. It says, in, I mean, it's amazing, right? In the book of uh, uh, Corinthians, where Paul writes about love. And right after that, he's like, you know, look, we know in part. We, we understand only in part. There'll be a time when we, we fully do know and fully understand. But here in this body, we really only understand things in part. It's like we're looking in a, in a dim mirror. But then he writes and says, you know, but the greatest of, of things are faith. Ho- only three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of those is love. I challenge us as a community in a a really good way that as you read your Bible, read it through the eyes of God's love. God's love for you. God's love for his creation. God's desire to restore all things to his original intention. And that he sees you as good. He sees you as good. See, when we see each other this way, it just becomes so much easier. It's not that we need to look for the faults to point out in one another. We need to look which is great about one another and call that out. Again, notice that the world doesn't do that. Think about the world around you. Think about, you know, likely your employment situation, media, social media. What do you think? It all is like, this is what's wrong with you and you better improve it. right you're not thin enough you're not good looking enough you don't make enough money your career's not where it should be you're not living in a big enough house you're not you're not or you've got too big a house and you need a smaller one you're not driving the right car you've got a gas car you need an electric car you know you're not environmentally conscious enough you're not health conscious enough it's it's what the world deals in you're not good enough you know, and the more we let the world into the church, that becomes our message. You're not good enough. And there's lots of that message out there. It just is not the message of the Bible. The problem is we're so programmed by the by the way the world has has changed our thinking, and sometimes frankly by by teaching that we've received that we can't see things as they actually are. Interesting psychological experiment I read about. And they they did this thing where they they it was a a a test, psychological experiment, where they asked people to watch a basketball game, and their job watching that game was to count the number of times the ball was passed. And in this, in the middle of the video, they had a guy in a gorilla suit walk through the basketball court thumping his chest. The majority of people didn't notice the guy in the gorilla suit, like when asked about it and said did you you know did you see no see a gorilla in there that no why because we see what we expect to see so if you read scripture and you expect to see wrath and judgment and that you're not good enough you will find it you'll see it you'll read scripture through that lens That lens of what's wrong with you. And that's what you'll find. And you might find a sprinkling of love, a sprinkling of this, a sprinkling of that. But the main thing you'll find is that which you're looking for. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That all who believed in him would have eternal life. Jesus said his yoke is easy and his burden is light. That all... Who come to him will find rest for your souls. Let's pause in that for a moment. Lord, like make us aware of the rest you have for our souls. (laughs) That your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Make us aware. It's such a wonderful thing to know that you're not God, right? Now the world will teach you that you are God. You are the master of everything, your own death. everything, you know, it's it's all up to you. And I, I find rest for my soul when I realize I am not God. And that actually there is a creator of the universe who does love me, that's interested in every aspect of my life, and that I can find rest in him and let him lead and guide me. And he's got the exact same thing for you. You don't need a word from a special minister. You don't need a, while those things are nice at different times, you don't need anything except Jesus. And a relationship with him. And to allow him into your life in a way where you start finding rest for your soul and allowing him to bring about radical change in your life. You know, that radical change comes as you grasp that you are actually loved by him. And that what he says is true. Now, Jesus said, look, if we love him, we will obey his commandments. And it's wonderful that he said that summing up all the commandments of the Bible is love God with all your heart, mind, and spirit and love your neighbors yourself. Which means loving God is honoring your parents. Loving God is not committing murder. It's not coveting your neighbor's wife or your neighbor's house. All those types of things are really important. Right? Because those things disturb our souls. You know, live in a house full of tension and grief. Man, that's brutal. Live in, in, a, in a place where you're not honoring your parents, or parents are not honoring the children, or husbands aren't honoring their wives, or wives aren't honoring their husbands. Man, there's no peace in that. There's no rest for your soul in that. Live in a place where you're looking at your neighbor's stuff and going, I want that stuff. No rest for your soul. We just have really good commercials to get us to you know it's not really my neighbor it's that guy over there on TV. I want what he has. You know? That celebrity, that social media influencer, I want what they have. The person in my workplace, whatever, whatever it might be. It's so difficult to have peace. It's so difficult. When we're, when we're focused on the wrong things, to actually experience that light and easy yoke that God has to reach and every one of us. Share with you a secret. It's a secret Jesus knew. And that he shared openly. It wasn't a secret. Being a Christian is actually quite easy. The world doesn't like it. You know, he, he said, look, you're going to have trouble in this world because the values that we're to live by are very different than the values that the world lives by. But not in a way that we're meant to live in a thing of opposition and hatred to the world. It's actually the values we're to live by aren't political values. God is not looking for you to change politics. He's not looking for you to, to use politics or laws or influence to change the world. Love. The example set for us was laying down one's life for others. Laying down our lives. That's love at the end of the day. What, what is, I will sacrifice myself. For the sake of another. At the extreme of that is literally dying. Like Jesus. It's challenging to our flesh. But it's what brings real life. Joy. Peace. To each and every one of us. So. I just. I want to remind you. You're awesome. Because God made you that way you're loved you're absolutely loved you know and and god looks at you and says you're good i love you i want you i'm there for you you can trust me if you'll do things if you'll do things my way the outcome will be good if you do things my way the outcome will be right We've got to reconcile that sometimes the outcome that we think is good and is right isn't always the same. But it's where are we getting that outcome from? And, guys, I I share this with you, and I'm preaching to myself. You know, I wrestle. With the expectations of the world. I, I wrestle with some of the things that I've been taught. I've wrestled with the stuff that you see on TV. I wrestle with society's expectations of me. Sometimes I feel like there's literally this war in my soul at times. Where I'm like, where But I think I need to go this way. And God's like, no, I want you to go this way. And I'm scared. I'm scared that what God has for me, I won't like. Or it won't be good enough. Because what the world offers is so tasty. Sometimes literally. And figuratively. You know? Literally, figuratively, I don't know. But it's 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 like it's 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 tantalizing. I just couldn't honestly. I use tasty because I couldn't think of a better word in that second. I don't think so well in my feet. My wife knows. Tantalizing would maybe be a better word. Enticing would be a better word. And man, you know, it's it's that what, what I, I look and go well, yeah, but that that that, that security, you know, financial security or a, a bigger house, or this, or that. Man, those things would be so nice to have. And and it's not that God doesn't want security for us. It's not that what God has for us is this terrible life, and he's like, I want you to suffer, because that's not the truth. All you have to do is look at God's plan for the Israelites and how he blessed them when they followed his ways to know that as we follow him, he really does want to bless us. He just simply is like going, hey, look, you're in this world, and this world is opposed to you, and there's a reality uh, that we don't always live in the things that God would intend for us. And all you got to do is look around the world at the majority of Christians that are living in really awful circumstances to see that. But his ways are good. And his ways for you are good. And the amazing thing is that there's so often you just hear the story after story of people that are living in really difficult circumstances who have incredible joy and peace in the, despite their circumstances because they truly know Jesus And truly don't care what the world has to say. Man, I can't wait till I'm fully in that place. And I can't wait till we are all fully in that place. Because there, man, when we're in that place, we'll live in true joy, in true freedom, in true peace. We're even laying down our lives doesn't matter. So again, in closing, God loves you. He loves you very much regardless of what you're going through this moment in time, regardless of your suffering, regardless of you're going through difficult circumstances. His yoke is easy and his burden is light and you will find rest for your soul as you lean into Jesus and trust him to get you through whatever it is you're going through. And if you're not going through something at this moment in time, if you're going through... Regardless of what is happening in your life, his yoke is easy, his burden is light, and he loves you. Trust in his ways. Trust in him. Trust in his goodness. Let him lead you on the path he's got. Amen? Amen. Thanks so much. With that, let's love one another today. Take a moment to pray for one another, to just encourage one another. You can have people over in your houses, in your backyards again. You know, let's not neglect just, just, care, just being each other's space, you know. You can have five in your house, you can have 25 in your backyard, you know. Or spread it out, round, whatever, in the park. But, it's, you know, we've been so used to just being isolated on our own. Let's, let's reach out to one another. Let's connect with one another. You know? And honestly, if you're someone here and you're like, man, no one reaches out to me, please reach out to someone. Reach out to a few people. You know? Because it just, you know, when we make ourselves known to one another, we're really able to be in each other's lives. Okay, I will be, and Lee and I will be away next week. I will be in Waterloo. Please be praying for that community there as we try to help that community transition. And we really appreciate your prayers for them. Greg will be preaching next week. We will miss all of you, but we'll see some of you during the week. And uh, we, will, we will be back on a Sunday on the 18th of July. For everyone online, we seriously miss you. Can't wait till all of us are able to come back together. Take care. There we go.